G'day guys, welcome back. How are you, Sojo? Good, thanks. Got a couple Good on the you, phone guys. today, just dialing it in, being old lazy boneses. Got Mickey and Rooster, how you going, fellas? G'day guys. G'day guys, yep. Beautiful day here down at the beach. I was going to say, Roo, how, how's the weather down there? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> well, a little bit humid, mate. The, the, the wet season's just kicked in. Nah, it's, um, <laughs> Down the beach here, mate, on school holidays. I just had some family commitments, so uh, thanks for putting up with me over the phone. Uh, it's a busy time of year, and uh, we've all taken a bit of time off over the summer, so, yeah, tough to get us all in the same room, but here we are. So, talking about yeah. a super interesting uh, topic today, which is longevity, and um, I was saying to the fellas a bit earlier, it's probably one of my favourite topics. I've been researching it for for as long as I can remember, as long as it's been a thing. So I've been really looking forward to this uh, conversation with you guys. And I know that you guys will bring some interesting stuff to the table um, that I'm not aware of. And, uh, yeah, really interested to, to kick this off. Yeah, good question. It is, um, as I hit 50 um, last year, longevity sort of become a lot more uh, sort of forefront of my mind in regards to my priorities in life. You know, like up to that point, I'd sort of like, you know, just live in life day by day, you know, and like treat my buddy body hard and partying and exercising hard and then it's not until you sort of get a bit older and wiser maybe that you realise that um, what I'm doing to my body possibly is not contributing to living longer. And we want to live longer, but we also want to live long and well. Mm. I don't want to live till I'm 90 and, and uh, have someone wipe my ass uh, or put my tongue back in my mouth. I want to be able to live till I'm 90 and still be deadlifting and squatting yeah exactly that's a really interesting point you make is that what we're talking about today longevity is really about increasing our health span rather than our lifespan so we're not looking at living to be 100 or 120 but having 20 or 40 years sitting in a nursing home we're talking about extending our healthy active life we're able to do everything that we want to do and the other point you make is super uh relevant as well which is that we can sort of define uh longevity in a different um, in a different way to peak performance. So the tips and the things that we're going to talk about today aren't really for an Olympic athlete or someone who wants to be at their absolute peak physical performance. Uh, what we're talking about today is increasing our healthy lifespan. And there's a lot of overlap, but there's also a lot of differences. And uh, we'll definitely get into it today. But yeah, there's definitely some distinctions to be made. So I'm looking forward to getting into this. Well, there's definitely, if you're an athlete, things that you're doing that aren't longevity based are they they are you are in the moment you are trying your best you are maybe pushing your body behind it beyond its reasonable limits and that is not good for longevity might be good might be good at the time you know yep that's cool you want to you want to achieve what you want to achieve olympics might even just be regular joes you know working hard the weekend cyclists whatever it might be but some of those things that they're going to do to perform well will be detrimental in the long term. Yeah, and, and maybe there's a a period where you can do that in your life, sort of like have your cake and eat it too. But it's definitely, I mean, maybe you can be an Olympian and be an elite high-level athlete for a period of time, but you definitely wouldn't want to follow that same regime for your whole life if your goal is maximum health span, longevity. Yeah. Yep. Because there's just so, so much science out there now that shows that uh, there's certain aspects of obtaining peak performance, which we'll get into, which are not going to help overall with your longevity. But the interesting 
thing that I don't think has really been studied and would be really hard to study is, is there a period of your life when you're younger, say in your twenties, where you could sort of have that and have those attributes, but then also sort of transition into a more longevity based strategy a little bit later on in your thirties, forties and beyond, you know, where you can still sort of yeah have your cake and eat it too. I, yeah. I, I don't know the answer. I'm not sure there's many uh, studies on that, but yeah, I think it's crystal clear that if you want to have peak physical performance, uh, and usually that is associated with like a high protein diet, yep. then definitely that is not associated with um, a, a long, healthy lifespan. Just yeah. isn't. Well, uh, I think it's an, an interesting thing to maybe look at there, which would, would be quite easy, Maddie, would be to, you know, because there's plenty of data out there in terms of um, lifespan and average age of death and all that sort of thing, would be to go and grab, um, you know, a number of those uh, athletes who are, who are perhaps in that bracket, who, who made Olympics or went to world championships, uh, performed for a duration of time. You know, maybe you broke it up into five-year window, 10-year window, 15-year windows, um, but you, you set the standard of uh, applicant for that particular data analysis at a certain calibre of athlete, uh, and then and then going and looking at what their lifespan was, like how long did they actually live to, and actually getting some average data that way. That that could be a quite an easy way to actually obtain that data. Yeah, I reckon that'd be super interesting. Um, I guess also what they'd have to look at is what did they do in terms of their lifestyle choices like after they had finished the active competitive part of their life, like did they transition to another sort of dietary and exercise strategy or did they just sort of keep up what they were doing to a lesser extent? But yeah, it'd be, it'd be super interesting to see. I'm sure someone has done some sort of studies like that, but um, yeah, if any of our listeners know about any of that, flick it through. I'd love to, yeah, love to have a read. That'd be cool. Well, I guess we've, I guess we've sort of touched on the first one, which is exercise from what I have gathered over the last sort of oh, several years of, of this topic, it's, it is also very interesting to me. Exercise is probably the, you know, the foundational pillar of optimal health and disease prevention. You know, if, if you look at longevity as well, exercise fits into that. Yeah. Being fit and active, and there are studies, and I, it's a bit rough to say, but less body fat percentage is a big factor in longevity. The more body fat you are carrying, the shorter your lifespan. So exercise plays into that. Now you, you can look at several different ways and, and one of the things that you know causes loss of life is when you get towards the end of your life is falls. And a lot of that is based on sarcopenia or, or muscle loss. So exercise leads into that. And... Yeah, aerobic capacity is quite good, but losing that muscle mass seems to be one of the things that declines health towards the latter years of your life. And if you can keep that muscle mass for as long as as possible, so Rooster talked about you know squatting and deadlifting till he's eighty or ninety. You know that is a good way to keep that muscle. Sort of after after you're about thirty odd that sarcopenia really sort of starts to kick in and 40 and 50 plus once you're 80, it hits or it, it for about half the population over 80, they have some significant muscle loss. So that is often what causes decline in health towards the end. 
and yeah, yeah, we're not talking about being Olympic athletes and, and training as, as hard as possible, but exercising a couple of times a week, some nice zone two cardio. I think we we wanted to do a podcast on zone two cardio because there's a lot of evidence now that this sort of longer form, I know lots of lots of people in the health sphere are talking about it. It's kind of trendy. Um, you know, the, the, the easy paced exercise where you're jogging or exercising but can handle a conversation with someone, you know, that's sort of your zone two cardio. People define it in, in other ways. but So that's one way to keep aerobic capacity. And the other one is sort of strength training and being able to um, some lift, lift some heavy things to reduce that muscle sarcopenia loss. Mm. Yeah. Well, mate, um, if what you yeah, exercise is a lifestyle sort of choice, you know, and um, we're, we're obviously going to discuss different lifestyle choices that can contribute to longevity. And I, I was listening, looking at some studies that sort of represented the um, two main factors of longevity were genetics and lifestyle. And genetics made up about 20 to 30% of an individual's life expectancy. The rest of it is all based upon lifestyle. So things like exercise that you mentioned and other lifestyle choices and also environmental factors as well come into it. Um, but a big part of it, percentage of, of living a long and healthy life is the lifestyle choices we make, irrespective of our genetics. Mm. It's a really broad term, lifestyle, isn't it? There's a lot of things that fall into that. It is, mate. And environmental factors play a part, you know, depending on where you live, you know, pollution, that sort of thing, and the exposure to, to chemicals and uh, even, you know, household toxins that we've talked about before. Uh, but definitely exercise and, and other things that we talk about um, play a major part in, in living a longer, healthier life. Mm. Yeah, they sure do. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you, CJ. I think uh, exercise is huge, but I also think it's important to note that we're probably not talking about uh, – like running a marathon every week, for example. No, and did, and no. we're probably not talking about like super, super high intensity chronic uh, exercise. Yep. We, we, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. We're sort of talking about your zone two cardio. We're talking about some strength training. Um, and, and really it looks like when you look at the research, the main reason that we want to do that, well, there's a couple of reasons, but one is um, the avoidance of frailty like you spoke about. And the other one is um, sort of maintaining really healthy uh, mitochondria and getting that mitochondrial biogenesis. Mm. Um, and just to clarify, mitochondria are essentially our little cellular powerhouses that make all our energy that we need to carry out all our bodily functions and contract our muscles and, and pretty much run everything. But um, that seems to be the two main uh, reasons why you would exercise. So yeah. I think definitely like uh, moderate exercise Yep. When you talk about people in the longevity world, um, with some strength is is the way to go. Yeah. Well, I looked at uh, a study in, in the Medical Express Journal, 2016. Ooh, is that a credit card or? A- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really. It's a, it sounds a bit dodgy, but the lack of activity caused a, causes about five million deaths. Yeah. So that is that is quite a lot. We can't also um, ignore other factors like over the last century, longevity has increased due to things such as uh, advances in medicine, um, you know, decreased infant mortality and stuff like that, better education. So people are more more educated now to ways of living a healthier life. Um, the rise of living standards as well around the world, they've all contributed as well. Can't ignore those factors. Yeah, most definitely. Like we've got uh, sanita- you know, sanitation, 
We've got refrigeration. We've got uh, regular food. We've got um, you know decreased uh, poverty. Yeah, all, all that stuff. Like you say, that's that's definitely um, assisting. I think I think the major one when you look at all the studies, and when we talk about studies, unfortunately, we're not always or we're not often talking about human studies because it's really hard to get ethical approval for a lot of the studies they do. So. A lot of the things we're going to talk about today are done on uh, like mice, worms, yeast, uh, fruit flies, and then the pool of data that we look at, they're going to extrapolate all that out and sort of try and apply it to humans. But the biggest uh, area by far that I can see within the space is is diet. So it's it's what you put into yeah. your mouth and it's and it's when you put it in. So it's, it's your eating uh, patterns in terms of when you're having your calories. It's the breakdown of your macronutrients uh, and, and it's how much you're having. It's it's fascinating. Like it looks like if you're going to do one thing, it's um, eat a somewhat calorie restricted diet, but but still with enough uh, energy and just enough protein to maintain your muscle mass. It is uh, practice some uh, intermittent fasting, um, yeah. and it's and it's yeah, it's sort of it's actually not eating too much protein. Seems to be the crux of all the research across all your different animal groups and also humans, uh, protein seems to be a big problem for longevity. And that's, yeah. I, I guess, kind of why I gave that little caveat at the start that there's definitely a distinction between absolute elite peak uh, performance you know, versus longevity. Because obviously, if you're going to be a peak performance athlete, you're going to be a sprinter or something like that, your protein demand is going to be very high. But in the longevity world, we're really looking at um, a low protein diet. Which so, is, Smitty, would that be because um, a high protein diet um, in a normal person would contribute over time to feeding like cancer cells and that sort of thing? Is, is that the reason behind that protein? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, when we eat uh, protein, protein is obviously a string of amino acids. So, we've got sort of 21 amino acids that the body uses to make, you know, protein, enzymes, all of our sort of cellular structures, you know, and muscle and things like that. And when we eat protein, there's a little a sort of a sensing molecule in the body called um, mTOR. So it's, it stands for mammalian target of rapamycin or mechanistic target of rapamycin. It's essentially just a sensing molecule. And what it does is if you sit down, you eat a nice big steak or you have a nice big vegan protein shake or anything with a lot of protein which is amino acids then mTOR senses this rise in amino acids and mTOR is basically like a growth switch so it's sitting there sensing it's a sensing molecule and it's sitting there and it senses okay you've had all these amino acids it's time for me to build and it's time for me to grow so if you've just been to the gym you've done a big workout obviously after that at some stage you're going to want to get some protein in Perfect. You know, uh, mTOR is going to sense that. It's going to sense that rise in amino acids and it's going to say, right, time to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. I'm going to build. I'm going to grow. Um, perfect. But the problem with mTOR and the sort of double-sided um, sort of paradox of it is that you don't want it turned on all the time. We don't want to always be in that sort of growth uh, phase because like you touched on, Rue, like uh, cancer is a – you know, a, a runaway of, you know, cellular proliferation where, you know, cells are going crazy and dividing and, you know, all their um, uh, sort of mechanisms are going haywire. So what we want is we want a really good balance between uh, 
mTOR growth and autophagy, you know, which is kind of the opposite of mTOR. So we want um, ourselves in that phase of autophagy and, and autophagy, when you break down the word, autophagy is basically self-eating where we want to actually have a time of very low protein and very low caloric intake because sugar can also stimulate it. And that's going to uh, drive like cellular recycling. We're going to look at all our misfolded proteins in our body. We're going to recycle all our old worn out cells that aren't doing anything or aren't doing the right thing. And that's going to give us a good, a good cleanup and a good chance to find balance. But unfortunately, if you look at a lot of the bro science today, if you want to, you know, go to the gym and get huge, they're talking about these sort of very high levels of um, protein intake. And they're talking about very regular consumption of it. Well, your body never gets a time to really go into autophagy and fall out of that growth phase. And that's a big problem for longevity. It's a huge problem. I think another way of simplifying that as well, Matty, is this is something we looked into through Kim's journey is the most exhaustive natural process that the body actually goes through is digestion. Yes. Um, and so as you're sort of indicating, when the body is not in a state of digestion, it's in a state of regenesis, it's in a state of... Um, you know, cellular turnover um, and all of that sort of thing. So the 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 most exhaustive um, state of, of digestion is actually in meat because it takes far longer to digest a piece of, of meat than it does, to, you know, to digest um, something that's really high, highly fibrous like a fruit or a vegetable. Um and I think that a lot of the research that we sort of, part of the reason that we went plant-based for such a considerable amount of time when she got sick was, I won't delve back into everything you just said because it was so well articulated and put. But when I when I looked into this from the um, perspective of longevity, um, I, I looked into cultures and civilization, historic civilizations who have been documented as having the longest uh, like longest living people. Um, and they tended to live through sort of rural and remote China, rural and remote Japan, even in places like Nepal. Um, and their, their consumption of food largely fell around fruits, vegetables, nuts, berries, seeds, um, and, and a small amount of fish. Um, so that they actually um, tended to not, certainly it isn't documented that there was a large or substantial um, amount of, of red meat in, in any capacity consumed. Um, and, uh, you know, I know, you know, in terms of documentation and stuff like this is where it becomes quite complex, but there's, there's photographic documentation of some people in these tribes and things like that living up to 170, um, which, you know, Comparatively to Western culture, is absolutely you know that's two two lifetimes. Yeah, these these people are are outliving their great 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 grandchildren. So, I, I think the nutrition component of this is very 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 important and partnered with fasting, uh, which I certainly believe is is one of the absolute keys to longevity. Uh, these are these are real you know longevity pillars, if you like. It's what your body does when it's crook, doesn't it? When you when you crook or even when your dogs crook, you they just don't eat. Or you don't you don't eat when you're sick. So it's just your body taking that time to to recover and re- regenerate, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, Mickey, <laughs> do you know what? I actually agree with everything you said. And uh, this is kind of a really good podcast for you because like we've uh, we've kind of bagged you for being uh, being plant based and stuff like that. But if you look at like uh, epidemiological studies and things like that, it's really hard to argue against what you say, which is that I mean, there's debate around it in in the sort of social media slash science world about um, you, you know this blue zone and whether it's uh, you, you know real or not, but if you look at the longest lived uh, populations around the world, you look at like the Okinawans and the Southern Italians and the mm-hmm. Yorba Linda, Seventh Day of Venice and stuff like that. Um, it seems to be that very low meat consumption, very low protein diet, uh, maybe just a little bit of fish is associated with like living the longest. So I, I agree with you, mate, like this, <laughs> you know, like I say, we have, uh, we have mucked around with you in the past and given you a bit of shit, but I think, if you're purely talking about longevity, it's really hard to argue that like a high meat diet is gonna is gonna get you there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And then there is such a complex spread of opinion and data and things like that. But uh, you know, certainly, I mean, you guys know how thorough we we looked into any decision we made. But certainly, from a point of that cellular regenesis, uh, health recovery. And, and, you know, longevity, you know, as a byproduct of that, I, I think it is, it's consistently coming to the forefront in terms of, of, of meeting, you know, meeting many, many number of assessment points for people looking to achieve those different things. And, and I think the data is resounding. Um, and you, I mean, there's, there's no better way, uh, to, I guess, clinically assess that data than actually look at the, the people located in those regions and see that they are, they have, you know, numerous people living the long durations of time. Um, I think the other one I'd throw in there just for the point of assessment is, and this is one that fits in with poor health and things like that as well, but is, is stress. Uh, stress load and and the 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 I guess the the amount of stress someone is under um, and and the impact that can have on ling- on longevity and I think that um, you know a lot of you, you ask yourself well these people living in these remote communities they're po- you know in some instances we would observe them through our western lens and and think well you know they're very poverty they're living a tough life it's harsh it's this it's that. But they don't have mortgages, they don't have TV, they don't have, you know, telecommunications in, in a lot of these areas. Their stress load in, in terms of all of that, you know, they're, they're not employed in a nine-to-five job. You know, I honestly believe that we, we probably have things quite back to front in the way that we live. Uh, and, and we're all tapped into the system and, uh, you know, most of us have got, you know, high interest debt and things that we're paying off, you know, like many people in the Western world. But I, 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 I seriously think that, you know, my observations and sort of notes that I've made over the last week in preparation for this is I think that's a huge, uh, a huge point of consideration. Um, you know, like the, they haven't got lots and lots and lots of stuff, but they seem to be certainly my travels through my lifetime out to places like this. They seem content. They seem happy. They seem grateful. Uh, they're not, you know, on their phones. They're connected. Uh, and I, I'm interested to sort of, you know, get some input from you guys on how much of a part you think that plays as well. 
I reckon it's a great point. I totally, uh, totally agree. It's, um, you know, sometimes throughout life, you, you have some people that you know that go through personal um, grievances, like they have a, a major event in their life, their divorce or a death or whatever, and you haven't seen them for a while. But then after that, after you've seen them for a, I don't know, a few months after they've gone through that experience, you, you notice that they look like they've aged. And I reckon that's the stress or the emotional um, stress that they're experiencing exudes itself physically. You know, you know what I mean? I reckon totally. it's totally true about the, the stress and the power of the mind and how that can contribute to, to your longevity and, and the healthiness of your longevity. Yeah, Mickey, I'll tell you the other thing about those people that maybe live in sort of like less uh, less uh, affluent countries and things like that is they, they probably have a lower protein intake because protein really is quite an expensive uh, food and like quite a prized thing, especially if you're living in a, you know more of a third world country. You're not going to be eating you know, ribeye steaks every night. Yeah. It's interesting. If, if you look at the data, if you eat, uh, I think it was above something like 20% protein, it, there's a threshold anyway. If you eat above a protein threshold and it's in red meat, you have a 400% increased risk of getting cancer. Uh, interestingly, if you do that, same thing, you eat too much protein, but it's plant-based, you still have a 300% increased uh, risk of cancer. So, you know, diet, stress, it, it, it plays a massive part in um, in this whole sort of longevity uh, puzzle, I guess. Smithy, you've just um, sparked something that uh, I was looking at, um, uh, a study in 2022 about average life expectancy. And in developed countries, the average, average life expectancy for males was 75. And for females, it was 82. Mm. In developing countries, the average life expectancy for males was 62, and it was 67 for females. Mm. The, the highest developed country with the highest average life expectancy was Japan, 85 years. So there's a, a culture there, uh, an island culture, living a high uh, fish diet. Uh, and then the lowest um, average life expectancy was a developing country, and that was Central African Republic, which includes countries like Chad, Lesotho, Sierra Leone. Their average life expectancy was 54 years. So I wonder, in Central Africa, unless there's living by a lake or whatever, I would assume they would be eating more red meat as opposed to, to fish, um, compared, whereas compared to the Japanese, maybe a higher fish diet is sort of um, what you're saying there is, is, is contributing to their longevity. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. Yeah, I think if you look at, I think I could be wrong here, but I think the hot, the longest lived sort of group of people were the the Okinawans in Japan. Uh, this is sort of going going back quite a way, but they had some crazy ratio of carbohydrates they were eating. Like approaching ninety percent of their total caloric intake was coming mm. from carbohydrates, and then they just had a little bit of fish. Um, okay you know, which is obviously protein with omega-3s and stuff like that. It's really Ooh. interesting. Like, I mean, I've just come off experimenting with an animal-based diet. So for the last uh, couple of months, up until a few weeks ago, I was eating almost exclusively uh, red meat, which I loved and I felt fantastic. And I sort of did it as a little bit of an experiment to see how I felt. And I did feel quite good. Um, but for me, it's, it's probably not a long-term diet because my, my goals are a little bit different. Like I do want to sort of focus on uh, longevity and long-term wellness. Um, but yeah, red, 
well, high protein intake is really hard to defend. So like if you're listening to this from my point of view, and you guys might have a different point of view, but if you're listening to this podcast today and you wanted to take one thing away from how do I live longer, it would probably be eat less protein. Which is sort of counterproductive to what everyone sort of thinks, isn't it? You've yeah. got to have more protein. I guess it depends on your goals. If you want to be an absolute beast and have an amazing build and all that sort of stuff, then we know you need to eat more protein. You just do. But again, it comes back to what we spoke about at the start, which is that what are your goals? Yep. Like you're looking to play the long game and be, you know, healthy and functional when you're 110 or do you want to, you know, go, go down another track? So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's gotta be relative to your age though. If mm. you are looking at that muck muscle, uh, age related muscle loss, you need more protein at that stage of your life. Yeah. Yeah, you do. So they sort of say once you hit about 70, 65 to 70, your protein requirement will change. Mm. It's probably less about calories, more about the protein. If we talk about strength training, if, if you if you don't want to lose that muscle mass that's causing falls, frailty, you, you do need to consume an amount of protein. Yeah, and I think the whole term, you know, and I always go back to this, is just balance. You know, you, you've got to have a balanced diet. You've got to have a balanced lifestyle and a balanced diet. You're not going to be excessive in one nutrient over another. It might be slightly more. Uh, it might be slightly less. But as long as it's not excessive and it's in balance, then that's the, that's the point that I, I think needs to be considered. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's hard to argue with that. It's, um, you know, we, we certainly need like an amount of protein. Mm. I think... No one's saying, like, don't eat any protein. But, for example, are we looking at – we're in Australia, so we're talking kilos. Are we talking sort of like the RDA, which for a middle-aged person is 0.8 um, grams per kilo? Or are we going on a bodybuilding forum and we're looking at two grams per kilo? Mm. Well, I think depending on what you choose, there's going to be differences in what your health span is going to be later on down the track if you're an average person. Exactly. Now, there's always going to be the outlier. There's going to be the French lady that drank red wine and smoked and lived to be 120 it probably comes back to that that small little group that Rue spoke about that just have, you know, immaculate genetics and they're quite lucky. But for most of us, we're sort of looking at uh, altering our epigenetic expression, which is all our lifestyle factors. And it's really hard to argue with the pretty strong science, which says that if you feed an organism, uh, you know, really high protein versus moderate protein, then there's, there's going to be, um, you know, some differences in lifespan. Yeah. What about, um, I found it interesting uh, when I was reading through this about women living longer. And I thought, we're talking about longevity and it seems to be that women have scored uh, with the longevity gene and I just thought, that's, I wanted to have a look at that and I was, I was quite interested to read um, some of the factors why women live longer and it included things like smaller bodies and less stress on their heart. Um, I don't know whether that's of interest to you at all, but um, I found it quite interesting. And they have a stronger immune system. I wasn't quite aware. I didn't know that. Uh, testosterone acts as a uh, immunosuppressant. Mm. Um, so less testosterone to them uh, enhances their uh, immune system. They have less tendency to engage in physical dangerous activities. And their actually evol um, evolution has actually made them live longer so they can help care for children. I found that interesting. Mm. Mate, there's definitely something in the fact that, you know, 
broadly sort of making a making a broad sort of categorization. If you're smaller, you seem to live a bit longer. Um, yeah, you know, right. says, says me, who's bloody nearly six foot six. You know, kind of got yep. the kind of got the baby prize when it comes to uh, longevity. But it seems to be, you know, like you said, Rue, it's the little, uh, you know, sort of quite lean, sort of short woman. They seem to be a lot of the ones yeah. that live, live to be a hundred. You don't uh, like going back to my days when I was a paramedic. I unfortunately spent a lot of time in uh, nursing homes, sort of dealing with a lot of the geriatric problems that people get in older age. And um, of all the old age people I bumped into, there wasn't heaps of like really big, um, especially really big and really solid uh, elderly people. Um, yeah, you see yeah, some right. sort of bigger, thinner people, but you know the the stereotypical sort of person that seems to live long is your shorter, leaner um, sort of phenotype. That seems to be. Uh, what the sort of longevity body type would be? Yeah, could it, be could be something to do with levels of iron as well. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, there's there's some suggestion yeah. that higher levels of iron increases aging. Mm. Sort of the ferrous iron leads to sort of production of free radicals and damaged tissue, increases uh, zombie cells or the senescent cells that increase aging over time. So a lot of men. Oh, you know, women from sort of early teens to mid forties have menstruation. They have natural blood loss, whereas men don't. And that ferrous iron builds up in a lot of men. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that increased iron causes some CH CHD, mm. cardiovascular health disease. Uh, is that the uh, that disease hemochromatosis? Is that um, when the, the body can't um, uh, like control the amount of iron it produces or something, or it can't rid of, of excess iron? Well, there's several ways to get rid of iron. One is to exercise a lot, help kill off and regenerate red blood cells. Obviously, the other one is to bleed. If they got through a battle, got cut, bled, got rid of some iron, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I was just wondering if, if that was hemochromatosis, whether um, the prevalence of that is greater in men than it is women. I, I just I don't know the fact of that. I'm just I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm unsure of that either. Mm. It, it would make sense, Rue, I guess, like uh, going back to what um, CJ was talking about. Obviously, women menstruate and lose blood, so they probably don't have quite the same um, incidence of high iron. Seems like a lot of women suffer low iron as yes. opposed to men, doesn't it? Yeah. So, it, yeah. you know, by extension, that might yeah. be a thing. Well, one of the studies I read was that men that donated blood lived a lo- longer life. I actually got a text message from the blood donation centre <laughs> today saying they're going to call oh, me tomorrow about okay. going to donate. But they there want bloody. They want plasma. They always want plasma. They're so greedy. No, I don't give them plasma. Nah, I go in. <laughs> they get, give they the get whole my whole blood, blood if I'm going yeah. in. That's all I'm giving. Get rid of your toxins. Yeah, exactly. Give it yeah, to yeah. someone else. Develop some new blood cells. That's right. But that was one of the the longevity factors that I looked at and, and it was suggested to donate blood regularly. Yeah. It, the, the altruistic factor of helping people out is one thing. Yeah. And then, you know, the health benefits of reducing your iron and um, possible cardiovascular disease and helping you live longer. Yep. I had a few, I had a few written down that were sort of uh, essentials and then some sort of little side hacks like that one was one of them. Yeah. Sort of giving, giving blood. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard anyone in the longevity space suggest that high iron is good. No, I think I've heard a lot of people say that as low as you can have it and still possibly get by without any sort of physical symptoms. Yeah, you sort yeah. of want your ferritin to be as low as it can possibly be. Yeah. 
So yeah, give some blood. I think some parts of the world they bloody pay you to go and do it, don't they? So yeah, in Australia they give you a cookie, get a little if feed you're in, if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> you get a feed of some uh, poorly nutritious snacks, nice uh, linoleum yes, um, laden biscuit. Yeah, I guess that giving blood is a form of volunteering, isn't it? And there's studies that suggest that um, volunteering can help maintain mental health and therefore increase uh, longevity. Mm. Yeah, well, I reckon mindset's a big part of it too, don't you reckon? Like you sort of see some people and they work their working life and they get to retirement and they just kind of decide that's it, I'm old and I'm going to die soon. Yeah, well, okay. and they kind yeah. of do. Having, a, having community and people around you is another big one. Yeah. Having connection definitely. to people yeah. Um, yeah. helps people live longer. You know, the fact yeah, that definitely. there's other people relying on you and people to talk to and relate to and yeah. interact with and go out with and socialise, it, it gives a purpose and reason to live. Yeah. Mm. I guess uh, you're spot on, sweetie. Like you see so many old fellas retire and they don't they, they, they don't have anything else to do other than now that work's finished and they just sort of deteriorate. They, you know, you, you, they end up just having coffee and cake with their missus at the coffee shop every day, you know, and they've got nothing, nothing else to keep them stimulated and they just go downhill. I guess it's um, what Mickey was talking about before about that, that mental aspect of longevity. Mm. Yeah, I guess you need something to live for, don't you? Otherwise, what's what's the point in, like, I'm not sure if we touched on this before the episode started or not, but there's people in the longevity space now talking about people living to 150 and beyond. I mean, what's the point in doing that uh, if you've got nothing to live for, if you're miserable? So, <laughs> you know, a, yeah. huge, a huge part of it is uh, having community, enjoying your life, having purpose, and also being able to use your body you know, do the things you want to do. So, yeah, it's bloody. Yeah, and and, just, and they also reckon that um, educational opportunities, that as you get older, take advantage of, of any op- educational or learning opportunities that you can to keep your brain stimulated. Uh, they reckon that can, can assist um, in, in increasing longevity as well. Yeah, yeah, well, just, yeah, keeping active, isn't it? It's uh, keeping your mind active, keeping your body active. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hitting those Sudoku puzzles in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if that's what floats your boat. <laughs> <laughs> even, just re- even just reading. I think I think we uh, we probably don't read as much as we used to because we've got a, this device in our hands more often than not. But um, I've been trying to make a conscious effort to read more books, and I'm really I really struggle to do it. But I think reading is a good stimulation of the of the mind as well. Hmm. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's a good good way to spend we haven't, time. We haven't talked about um we haven't talked about those other two bad things that we've um mentioned in our talks in the episode is uh cigarette smoking and binge drinking. They reckon that um you can increase your longevity by ten years if you do the two things we've already mentioned, a healthy diet and regular exercise, but also don't smoke and don't binge drink. Ten years on your life if you do those four things. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, at least. Hey, that's. Yeah, I mean, that's a given, isn't it? You know, <laughs> these days, yeah. I think we're yeah. uh, we're over, we we're on to that one. But I mean, and it's crazy. It's crazy when you see someone you know puffing away on a dart, and you just think, with all the information that's out right now, and you're still puffing away in your durry, surely you, you, you're aware of what you're doing to your body. It must be such an addictive, powerful thing for someone to keep on doing it, irrespective yeah. of all the data that's out there in common common knowledge land about the dangers of cigarette smoking and what it does to your, to your body and your health. But still people persisted it with it. Yeah. And that's the same with alcohol, isn't it? Mm. I think yeah. we're a little bit, 
well, we've, we talked about it in our alcohol podcast, but we know that it's, it's a toxin. It's a neurotoxin. It, it's, it's damaging. The effect of getting drunk is actually the body trying to rid itself of toxins. If you think about it like yeah. that, you kind of think, well, why do, why do we do it? You know, uh, it is socially acceptable, but I think our head is in the sand. Definitely not about smoking. Everyone's, you know, on the same page there. We know it's not good for you, but alcohol, we're kind of head in the sand or we, we don't want to, we don't want to take that on board and say, you know, nah, this is, I can't live without this. So we're going to keep doing it. It's, it's fine. We'll have a couple here and there and yeah, it should be right. I can binge drink on the weekend and you know, it's only, it's only once a week. And, but if you want to live longer, I reckon, yeah, giving that one up is, is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, we've given alcohol a leave pass, haven't we, really? We've yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, just let it off the hook and go, nah, nah, it's, it's probably all right. It's, the yeah. liver clears it out. Should, yeah, yeah. Should be right. <laughs> well, we're conditioned to, look, to use those fancy buzzwords like moderation and things like that. And I think that the reality is is those, those, those words are just setting, you know, setting guidelines for what becomes the norm for people. So, you know, like Bruce said, you, you don't drink during the week, but you have a couple on the weekend. Well, the reality is, and we've sort of, I guess, touched on this when we did do alcohol, but certainly from the perspective of longevity, what we're saying is is it, it, it's no different to cigarettes. It's a poison that's going into your body. It does not coincide with, with, uh, with long life. You know, whether it's certainly the more you drink, the worse it's going to be. But if you were 100% serious about achieving the objective of living for as long as you can, you would have to remove alcohol. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you were talking about, Rue, with the the smoking and things like that, I'll go off on a slight tangent here. Have you guys heard of this guy? Uh, He's huge in the longevity world. He's, He's probably the most sort of prominent scientist at the moment, uh, David Sinclair, Dr. David Sinclair. He's an Australian guy. Works now at, uh, I think, Harvard. Harvard, yeah. Have you guys come across him? Yeah, I've seen, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he, he talks about this um, this informational theory of aging where basically um, your epigenome uh, gets damaged through uh, sort of like a variety of different stresses and then it doesn't get repaired and essentially your body essentially gets more and more faults um, which which result in aging, right? Well, not to get too technical, but he talks about these little guys in your body called sirtuins. And these guys, sirtuins, are basically responsible for going around and repairing DNA damage and taking care of telomeres and doing all these like restorative repairing functions in your body, right? Well, the main two things that like knock around your level of sirtuins, apart from actually aging itself, because they do decline with age, are having activated immune cells and having chronic inflammation. So like linking back to what you're talking about with smoking, if you're doing something like smoking where you know, you may be having 10, 20, 30 cigarettes a day, you're always inflamed, you're always pushing that inflammatory sort of burden and you're stopping your body essentially repairing itself, which is going to accelerate aging. So like, yeah, smoking's terrible, drinking's terrible, but if you're sort of doing anything that's causing like really chronic inflammation, then you know, you're absolutely going to age yourself. There's no getting away from it. I agree. Absolutely agree. So, look, summarising, guys, what are our takeaways for our listeners here in terms of, of, of our key points? We've sort of just touched on 
you know, two things you definitively want to remove in the way of, you know, and Rue gave some pretty resounding data there in terms of the extension of lifespan uh, in removing alcohol and removing, obviously, smoking. Uh, but in terms of, uh, in terms of things you can implement or consider researching or looking into, Maddie, you're saying that it's, it's relatively, it's definitive, not relatively definitive, but definitely definitive that reduction, um, of meat through your, uh, through your diet would, would be one of them. I think for me, fasting, you know, an extended period of fasting in the day, um, minimizing your eating window would be the second. What, what would be the other key ones? Well, even if you wanted to tie those two together, fasted exercise and the timing of exercising and the timing of exercise, meals yeah. uh, is probably a, is probably a big one as well. I know Sinclair talks about that a lot, um, and there's there's definitely some pretty good studies on the timing that you exercise and fasted exercise in general, increasing or decreasing factors that would cause you not to live a longer life. So this this study that I looked at about um, the timing of exercise, so we talked about exercise, obviously, um, low-level aerobic exercise, some strength training. We, do, we don't want muscle-related, muscle, age-related muscle loss, um, even vigorous exercise once or twice where we, we can't carry a conversation, we're hypoxic, you know, we're lacking oxygen, that is also beneficial as well. It's a state of homeostasis, uh, you know, what's the, what's the term? Not homeostasis, but hormesis. Uh, hormesis uh, that's the one where, you know, uh, a little exercise-induced oxidative stress, you know, not acute, acute stress, not chronic stress is, is good. And the timing of when you exercise. So if we're exercising in the evening, sort of between the hours of sort of 7 to 10 at night, that disrupts our circadian rhythm, which is associated with the dysregulation of neurological, metabolic, cardiovascular, immune systems. This uh, study that I looked at in the Euro Journal of Preventative Cardiology, May 2022, uh, said that the best time to exercise was between 8 and 11 in the morning. Decreases our cardiovascular health uh, risk of having a cardiovascular issue and decreases our stroke risk. And more so for men than women, would you believe, Rooster, uh, based on your your research? But, yeah, so the, the, the timing of our exercise, doing it in the morning, not in the evening, and then fasted exercise. So a 2012 study on aerobic training in a fasted state found that it lowered our body weight, our body fat percentage, and then those exercise-induced oxidative stress that I was talking about before, that's acute. You know, it's not a chronic stress from your body. And hormesis, which is, you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. So that little bit of stress the body is picking up on, fixes some things, you uh, come back bigger, better, and stronger for you, for the next time you're doing that that exercise. Fasted exercise also, from this study, triggered brain-derived nootropic factor, which is you know the increase in new neurons. Matter you've talked about that that before, but it also helps with muscle development, and muscle regeneration, and so fasted exercise is helping the brain, helping our sort of muscle fiber regeneration and making us more biologically younger. So. 
definitely exercise. I didn't get to talk about that when we were talking about exercise earlier. So I, I would say exercise and then sort of the timing of the exercise that we're doing and what exercise we're doing would be another takeaway. So exercising at night, maybe not so good. In the morning, maybe a bit better. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think we, – we didn't really touch on sleep, but I think the regenerative factors of sleep and getting solid eight hours, we did a, we did a whole podcast on sleep, so we could we – could, you could go back and listen to that one, and there's also experts on sleep that would help with longevity. I think that's another one. We've, we've, we've discussed that one before. But I had a couple on there sort of – we have talked about these ones before was uh, sauna and cold exposure – We've definitely talked about those increasing longevity. Uh, yeah, and, and that muscle-related, I keep getting that wrong, age-related muscle loss, keeping our muscle for as long as possible. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, mate. The, um, the cold water and, and heat um, therapy as well has a contributed longevity. And, and I would recommend uh, any, any people listening to have a look at um, Chris Hemsworth's uh, National Geographic series called um, Limitless. It's on um, on a streaming service that I won't name, but um, you can download it by other means. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's about a five or six part uh, series, and he and he goes into all these different aspects of longevity uh, because he has the aim of of living a longer, um, productive and healthy life, and he and he recruits these specialists in their field as to. Um, exposing him and, and training him up to these little challenges that include things like uh, an Arctic um, uh, water swim. I think it was about two degrees over a couple of hundred metres and he, and he pre- prepares his body for that. Um, during that process, he also does um, hot heat therapy uh, in sauna-type um, environment. He does a fast and the, the fasting specialist there throws him straight into a four-day fast. Um, I would assume that looking at Chris Hemsworth's physique and, and, and his health from the outside, he would probably be uh, aware or, or already knowledgeable of these sort of things that contribute to longevity, but I think he wanted to put it into a, a way that can resonate with everyday people at a, at a basic level. Uh, and, it's, and it covers a lot of the things that we've discussed on this podcast, which is a bit of a plug for us, but um, he, it's, it's quite humorous as well. There's a bit of humor in there. He seems like a very down to earth guy, but a lot of the stuff that he talks about um, is, is really, will really resonate with, with people that are interested in just general health really. And, and more specifically uh, longevity. I recommend having a look at it. It's a great series. And the last couple of episodes, he goes into memory um, and, and more what we've already talked about. So we've talked about that physical um component but the, the mental and emotional parts of of longevity and getting older and what you can do to, to lengthen that it's a, it's a really interesting series i recommend it yeah i've watched that one that's great yeah hmm. i'll have to yeah. check that out i haven't uh haven't come across that yeah i, I would say yeah. for me my two or well, my couple of takeaway points would really just be eat the minimum amount of protein that you can eat while still maintaining your muscle mass and it's going to be different for everyone um like Mickey and I think all you guys said, uh, integrate some fasting. I think um, like intermittent fasting is is really really good and super valuable. Probably at least aiming to have a fourteen hour fasted window every day. So at least compress your eating into sort of like a ten hour window 
during each day. Would you suggest um, some longer fasts yeah, during the long, year? Yeah, longer fasts. 24 well, or yeah. three, I, I'm, three I'm days a huge fan of uh, Volta Longo's work around the um, fasting mimicking diet, oh, yeah. where you're essentially tricking your body into doing a fast. You're falling into uh, sort of like deep autophagy, that cellular recycling that we spoke about, but you're actually still having a very low amount of calories. Yeah. Uh, the, the one drawback of that is cost. It costs so much money to buy the five-day meal plan. Uh, his his five-day meal plan. Yeah, yeah. his five-day meal plan. Yeah. Um, there are some competitors out there, or at least there used to be, but I'm not sure if they've sort of looked into – I think the macronutrient content is really important. Yeah, the Types okay. of amino acids in there and the types right. of fats and all yep. that sort of stuff. Uh, there are some hack ones on the internet where you can – a lot of people say that if you just eat uh, something like – I think it was between one and a half and two avocados a day – uh, that that's a, a reasonably good mimic of uh, like the macronutrient breakdown of what his thing is. Uh, so I might try one of those. Oh, yeah. I love avocados anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the last one that we yeah. So just to summarise, so yeah, I would say uh, low enough protein that you can get by still maintaining your muscle but not excess. Uh, the fasting, both um, intermittent and longer. And my last one would be, which we haven't touched on, is supplementation. There is like a huge whole other rabbit hole to go down of um, supplementation for longevity, mm. um, which we can maybe discuss if you guys are interested, but there are definitely some really good uh, longevity supplements out there. Uh, go uh, for it, Smitty. Hit it. Yeah, so if you listen to uh, particularly David Sinclair, the Australian guy, um, who, like I said, is probably one of the most renowned um, sort of experts in longevity at the moment, he's got a few that he talks about. Just going back to what I spoke about, with him before and those uh, situans, which are essentially um, can be activated or deactivated in our body and that are responsible for sort of repairing DNA damage and um, essentially taking care of our epigenome. Well, those guys run on a little energy molecule called NAD. I don't know if you guys have come across this and I don't want to go into it because it's boring. People are going to switch off, but essentially think of NAD as a energy molecule. When you reach the age of 50, your level of NAD which is what your situans run on, which is what we need for longevity. When you get to 50, that's half of what it was when you're at the age of 20. And so like CJ and Rue and Mikey have spoken about, and I agree as well, you know, the importance of exercise with longevity. Well, one of the main reasons that exercise gets you longevity is because of that hormetic stress that CJ mm-hmm. spoke about, and it increases your NAD. So it makes your body make more of this energy molecule, which runs these situans. Which is what... A sauna and cold exactly, therapy would do. Exactly. Yeah. So, so any of these hormetic Increases stresses, right? NAD, yeah. Exactly. But yep. there's another cheap way to do it, which is to take supplements. <laughs> so, so like a hack. I love a good hack. Yeah. I'm, I'm just such a fucking nerd, so I love this <laughs> shit. Um, but if, if you want to have more NAD, you can boost it by taking supplements. So if you are a super rich person with access to a super progressive doctor and you've got tons of money to spend, you can actually go and get an IV infusion of NAD. Um, pretty much for all of our listeners and for all of us, that's not an option. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know a doctor that'll do it. I don't know a place that'll do it. And I probably can't afford it. Because I think yeah. even in America, if you're a rich person, it costs like you know more than a thousand bucks for one IV wow. bag. Yeah. Um, so you can increase it by exercise or the other hormetic stresses that we spoke about, or uh, you can take supplements. So you can take uh, like the precursor molecules to NAD, so, is that NR? Uh, so there's NR, nicotinamide, nicotinamide riboside, yeah. uh, or they or one step closer to NAD. The direct one before that is uh, NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide. 
Niacin. Or one step one? further back away mm. from it is uh, is niacin vitamin yeah. B three, which is nicotinamide. So yeah. so in order of uh, sort of like least to most close to the molecule, you've sort of got uh, vitamin B three, which is niacin. Then you got uh, NR nicotinamide riboside. Then you got NMN nicotinamide mononucleotide, and then that eventually becomes NAD. Yeah. Which is this energy Schmitty, molecule that runs the sirtuins, which stops us aging. Sorry, go ahead, mate. Yep. So, Smitty, would you recommend that? Would it be recommended then to take the one closest to the um, the molecule? Um, definitely, um, definitely, I wouldn't to. recommend anyone does that without doing their own research. But I'm just yep. purely listening to obviously what people that know what they're talking about have said. And for example, uh, David Sinclair. Uh, advocates uh, NMN, so the, the closest one um, to NAD, yep. which you can buy yep. over the counter. It's still very expensive, but um, you know, it probably costs you a dollar or two a day to take sort of thing. Um, yeah, right, yeah. And that seems to, if you supplement that in sufficiently high enough dose, which might be like uh, 500 milligrams to a gram a day for a couple of weeks, you can dramatically increase your level of NAD, which is going to sort of promote this longevity. Um, the other one they talk about, which they've been sort of discussing for quite a while, is resveratrol. And resveratrol seems to work in combination with NMN to really sort of supercharge that and really help your body make more uh, NAD. But the drawback with resveratrol is if you, if you look into the studies, and I've read quite a lot of these studies, it seems to be most effective if you only take it actually in lower doses and every second day. Um, as opposed to every day in higher doses, which doesn't seem to have too much of an effect. So they seem yeah, to be wow. two of like the really in vogue um, supplements, which can help a lot with longevity. And then there's other ones like uh, quercetin, uh, fisetin, um, and also things like um, ALA, which is alpha lipoic acid. Um, all of those seem to be sort of reasonably universally sort of um, recommended if your goal is uh, sort of longevity. And yeah, at the moment, as it stands, all of those are available, uh, at least in Australia, that you can buy, uh, you know, without like a doctor or a um, nutritionist or a naturopath um, sort of prescription. That's awesome, mate. That's, that's great info. Thanks, Freddy. I um, haven't hit 50. Uh, I want to make sure my NAD levels are, are high enough. So I'll have a look into that. I'll do, do a bit of, bit, bit of my own research and, uh, and check that out. Yeah, no, I reckon... Um, you know, if you're definitely looking to go to the nth degree, and I know you, you know you do tons of work in the gym and um, eat very well and all that sort of stuff, but um, yeah, I'm I'm sure they could still be you know uh, of some benefit. Um, the the one thing right. that, as we get older, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. go ahead, mate. As we get older, there are nutrients in our body and, and mechanisms that within ourselves that just deteriorate or, or that lose their lose their functionality. So it, it's definitely worth, in my opinion finding some supplements that that can that can help, you know. Um, and I, I'm all for doing your own research and finding something that um, that can help that those functions continue on as you get older. Oh yeah, mate. If you look at uh, like mouse studies and things like that, um, if they feed them uh, the the NMN uh, in their water and things like that, um, things like insulin sensitivity increase, um, th their um, muscle to fat uh, composition changes. Uh, their memory gets better. It's just amazing, like all the really great things that happen when they start sort of artificially boosting their NAD levels again to to younger levels. They actually do essentially become like younger mice. So 
Yeah, wow. it's really interesting. And then if you go like one step further into David Sinclair's research and you look at actually trying to um, repair your epigenome and basically take those bits of damage out of it that you accumulate over the years, he's actually now talking about reverse aging um, things like mice and uh, like stuff in Petri dishes. Like it's super interesting. Like he believes that he's on the cusp of actually being able to reverse age things. So not just slow it down, but actually make things younger again. They did this crazy study yeah, where they took a, um, I think it was a mouse or a rat and they actually yep. destroyed its optic nerve. Uh, so they, they made it blind. They did um, this amazing uh, sort of therapy on it where they're essentially using an, a younger copy of their epigenome and through some bloody voodoo that I don't understand, sort of reinserting that uh, into them and reactivating that, they're actually making these mice see again. It's actually like crazy research. So, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff out there. So, mate, would that, would that um, have a connection with the NAD levels and uh, if they maintain at a higher level as we got older, would that see a, a drop in conditions like Alzheimer's, um, uh, dementia and, and those sort of mental health conditions? Is, is, yeah. that, is there a connection there? There seems to be definitely in animal studies, yeah. I think like the human studies, it's really hard because it takes a really long time and you've got to follow people for a long time yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But it seems like definitely in like the shorter-lived like rodent species and stuff like that, it seems to 100% be the case. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, but the supplementation well, thing seems to be sort of like the last, I guess, piece of the puzzle um, mm -hmm. after all the lifestyle stuff that we spoke about and if you want to spend a bit of money. Yeah. And you know what? If all that fails... Don't worry, because we've got technology. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole, a different rabbit hole when I was looking at this, and I looked at um, how technology is affecting longevity. And, man, going forward, things like uh, you know, implants and, and, and bionic limbs and this, this CRISPR thing, you know, C-R-I-S-P-R, mm. um, the genetic editing uh, invention. It was, CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short palindromic repeats and it was basically um, uh, gene editing developed to manipulate DNA to, to correct or, or alter changes that cause cancer but like any sort of technological advance it can be used sort of for other means than what it was originally designed for and so in the future they're, they're looking at gene editing used to select or remove certain genes that will enhance or, or um, reduce a human survival or, and performance and longevity, uh, which is an amazing concept for me. So you could basically have a child in the future and you can edit its genes to not only just live longer or, or not contract a certain disease, but also to have certain attributes. Have you guys had a look into this? It's full on. Mm. I haven't seen. Oh, well, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen. I haven't looked at it at all. No. Yeah, I've I've been down that rabbit hole, mate. Don't you find it super? Well. I don't believe that if that technology becomes available, and I think it is going to be, a, it is, I don't think they're going to make it available to every Tom, Dick and Harry, don't you reckon? No, nah, oh, wow. the, the elites will have it because it costs an arm and a leg. I feel like there's going to be a point where if they work out, all right, we can make everyone live to 150, 170, whatever, it's not really going to be in their best interest to hand that out to like 8 billion people, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Call me a skeptic and it sounds really negative, but I, I don't feel like it's going to be something that's going to be made available to all of us. Oh, definitely not, mate. But it's, it's interesting 
Now, and, you know, talking about lab-grown organs, oh, I mean, yeah. and that, that could that could apply to the everyday person who who you know who who's, who needs some sort of organ transplant, but a donor is not available, and a lab-grown organ could be made available to that person. I mean, obviously, as time goes by, we know that with technology, prices of that technology do reduce. So over time, potentially, those technolog- technological advances could become available for the average Joe Blow like us. Uh, and already today, you know, you've got Apple Watches and Fitbits and they're detecting our blood pressure and heart rate and O2 absorption and all this sort of stuff. And it's sort of already sort of started this this um, technological sort of assessment of our well-being and our health. And they're even talking in the future of, of, of nanobot technology being able to detect cancer cells in the body um, before before they progress too far, you know what I mean? And um, if you had to listen to Elon Musk, I think he's on, on Rogan, he, he discusses the old Neuralink where <laughs> a little thing's implanted in your brain and that will allow people to use limbs that have been um, you know, cut off uh, and they can't use them, like paraplegic, quadriplegic, that sort of thing. Um, it, it, it's mind-boggling what, what the future has in store for, for the human body and, and health in a positive way to increase longevity. Yeah, most but definitely. Then, but, but then, you know, if you hear some of the um, alternative news, they, they want to decrease the population, so I can't see them making um, that too much available to, to everybody. It's a bloody interesting time to be alive. Like, yeah. one of the main reasons to want to live longer is to see what's going to bloody happen, don't you reckon? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, oh, I, I want to live as long as possible. Like, I, I don't, you know make any uh, any secret of that. Like, I'd love to be 100 or, you know, even older as long as I'm well. But just because I'm so fascinated about, like, what's happening in the world, it's just such a cool time to be alive. Oh, and, and I just think of the future of our kids. Like, my, my young bloke, he's 14. You know, will, will his future partner be uh, an AI um, synthetic organism? You know, like, is, is she going to be part human? Like, like, that, like that movie, um, what's that movie where... Um, she locks him away at the end and, and leaves him there to die. Uh, oh, that uh, she's, um, something machina. Machina. Yeah, yeah ex machina or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Movie. No, that was a exactly. special. <laughs> that was a goodie. <laughs> it was a good, a great movie, and she's gorgeous too. That girl, the actress, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but was it's a great Simon. movie. And, and 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 this guy, he falls in love with this artificially um, uh, created female. Um, I don't know how it would all work sexually. I don't know how you could produce <laughs> a female sexual organ as as beautiful as the natural form. Yeah, it might be a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> I know some guys that have tried to create one. <laughs> and then have you heard about this anyway. other thing about people uh, talking about downloading them, basically downloading their consciousness onto the cloud or the internet or whatever? Wow. I thought that yeah. was a movie. Yeah, I think there's people so, actually talking about doing that. So, wow. tying into the so whole not, Elon Musk neural link sort yeah, of thing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's not. Yeah, so not just not just our body can be enhanced with long, to longevity, but our our mind and our memory. So once we get to a point where our our mind, our brain has sort of deteriorated to a point where we might have dementia or whatever, that concept there of having our memories or our our conscience downloaded somewhere and then we could access it later on, you know, 
does that does that increase longevity? You know, we talked about mental and emotional sort of health being a big part of it. How does that sort of fly in? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Yep. Mm. Wow. Yeah. No, it seems a bit of far out. Oh, the whole field is kind of far out, mm. but then at the same time, it's moving quick. So, seems to have been yeah. like a, a nothing sort of dead end area of research, like up to about the nineties or even turn of the century. And then it seems like the last ten or twenty years has just exploded, and it's one of the hottest areas of science. And there's breakthroughs getting made every, you know, every week. So, yeah, really. I really think if you want to find. I think if you want to find out what's actually on the horizon and probably been withheld from us until, you know, 10 years down the track, just look at movies. <laughs> Remember when uh, Michael J. Fox, um, Back to the Future, came out and, and they put that little bit of food in that microwave and it popped out to a meal and then he had a big screen <laughs> watching multiple... He was watching multiple screens on one big screen with a remote control. It was like, wow. And those yep. sort of things... Well, except for the hoverboard, that never happened, but and most the of shoes. the things... Uh, and the DeLorean. And the DeLorean. There are DeLoreans. Not ones that go backwards in time <laughs> no. and forwards in time. Not yet. No. <laughs> you need a flush capacitor for that, mate. And none of those ones where he pu- pushes the button and the jacket fits in properly. I thought that was, when I watched that, I thought that was pretty cool. We haven't got yeah. any of that cool stuff. Uh, give it time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my hoverboard? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Anyway. What about you, Mick? Uh, we've all kind of run through ours. Any any longevity tips, hacks that we haven't discussed? No, I think we've pretty much covered everything off, mate, uh, in terms of, you know, I guess the small take-homes that we like our listeners to have or, you know, things that they can take away and consider and, and see if they're able to easily implement them in. You know, uh, we, we've always said this, we're not experts. Uh, but we've, you know, we've played around with a lot of this stuff ourselves and, you know, we're just looking at, uh, at being the best version of ourselves. And so, uh, I know a lot of the stuff that we, we talk about, uh, we've taken away over the journey in the last 12 months and implemented in different bits and pieces that we've all done individually. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, that's, that's those little bits of gold are, are really what people are searching for. It's been a few good nuggets today. Couple of little nuggets, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just do everything that we've spoken about in every episode, <laughs> <laughs> plus some extra shit we spoke about today, and you'll be fine. Uh, well, I talked to a good mate of mine the other day who <laughs> listens to the podcast. Shout out to him. He said, uh, "I'm not eating right. I'm not exercising enough. I'm getting too many toxins. I'm not in the sun enough. <laughs> maybe, we're, maybe we're a bit too negative. Nah, but it's by degrees. Isn't it? you <laughs> yeah, have to yeah. be a bloody perfectionist. I'm yeah. not. You know. Until you know better." Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, what I've taken away from this episode is I'm fucked because I've done the most <laughs> extreme exercise you can do and uh, and I've been through a high level of life stress. So I'll yeah, probably bloody... You're uh, a dirty vegan, so, you know, that might save you a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> although, yeah, if you're a vegan with a high, although if you're vegan with high protein, then, uh, you know, you, you're still fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, hey, CJ, but for your mate listening, the human body's an amazing thing and it recovers really, really quick. So even... Um, changing a few habits and continuing those changes for a year, your body will adapt to, to in a positive way. It's the human body, and, and I think Mickey McConnell might have mentioned one of the, this in one of our earlier podcasts. It, it's always seeking homeostasis, and it's always seeking its best uh, self. 
So it will recover quickly. So even just making a few positive changes, you will see benefits in it. Even though you've lived a life that could be pretty, you know, pretty harsh with um with whatever you've done, uh, but it's definitely uh not ever too late to make some changes. Oh, for sure. And even if you, you we talk about Mickey just before saying, you know, I've I've done a lot of long distance stuff and stress, and the body is resilient and does repair itself and can heal. So it's not, nothing's a lost cause with your health. And if you turn it around when you can, you know, and like I was saying before, until you know better, you, you do what you, you can. So hopefully that's what we're trying to portray or, or, or give out on this podcast is a little bit of stuff that's worked for us and others that we know about. And if you can implement those and it makes you feel better, then, then that's great. And that's what we're aiming to do, I suppose. Yeah, and and I think like remember our our goal setting one that we just did heading into the new into the new year as well. Like if you are finding it hard to break a cycle or to to get motivated to make changes, look for some people to lighten the load a bit. You know, like it, it, if it's exercise, everyone there's bound to be a friend or a family member who who'd get out and even if it's just start with a walk of an evening for thirty five minutes. You know, get out and just start doing something small. Um, you know, if he's a friend of yours, Jonesy, I'm sure he's he's surrounded by a couple of other good lads as well. Um, you know, so little things like that, you know, 21 days of, of doing something over and over and over and, and you're in a, in a relatively good new habit. So, um, you know, the other, the other side of positive health change is, isn't too far away. You just have to take the first step. Yeah, good call. Most definitely. And also, I mean, for those people that aren't living a perfect lifestyle, which is probably everyone, uh, if you're very interested in this field, well, the science is moving like really quick. So just hold on and, you know, know, the advances might eventually catch up to you where you can get, you know, a massive extension in your life if you uh, hang in there long enough. Yep. Don't get me wrong. He's a good guy. He's quite healthy. I think he was just uh, being... I mean, who's living a perfect well, that's lifestyle? Right. Well, none we of us. Everything none of us perfect are, all the time. We, you know? Organic every single day, yeah. and you're fasting, and you're exercising, and you we talk about supplements and talk about like we never drink alcohol. Nah. We're going to go home and have four beers tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, probably pretty good way to wrap it up. So, uh, if anyone has any thoughts, we're on the Instagrams, Modern Ancestral Man. And we've got a Gmail account. Send us an email if you can't get hold of us on the Instagram. That's modernancestralman at gmail.com. Signing off for another episode, isn't that what they did? Anyway, yep. Good to chat to you guys, and we'll we'll chat soon. Good to see you guys. Awesome. Join your fellas. Cheers. 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 See ya. Take care. Get your hair guitars ready. <laughs> 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 uh,